Good morning. What a weekend, right? Woo! Yeah. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray in a very unique way. We're going to do what's called an examine. It's something I do every evening, and in the morning I pray a different prayer, but something very consistent. I've realized it's been very helpful for me to open up your life to the Lord consistently and then to do this life with him. You've heard it all weekend. God's with you. He's with you. But there's a big difference I've come to realize between saying phrases like, well, Jesus and me, when biblically a more accurate phrase we can use is Christ in me, the hope of glory. And there's a big difference. Jesus and me, it's easy to run and do our lives and Yes, my life is for Jesus, and then you run and do it, and then consider him here and there. Christ in me means he's doing life with you whether you acknowledge it or not. And so I believe what we're gonna do this morning is learn how in the world we can go down this hill equipped and ready, and he's already given us everything we need. So first, let's see right where we're at. If you would, would you close your eyes with me? We're gonna simply examine the past 12 or so hours, and we're gonna look at our life with the Lord. So with that, let's begin walking. Actually, let's begin with worship through music. How's it been for you? Would you just share the experience with the Lord of how worship through music was? Just quietly, right where you're at, eyes closed, just present with the Lord as he's present with you. Share with him, what was it like? Did you have expectations of yourself or of the Lord or were you a little distracted or at peace? Just share with them what worship through music was like. Mm, praise God. Yeah. You can share that with the Lord, whatever it was. And let's go back a little bit in time. Again, with your eyes closed, just being thoughtful with your life with the Lord. How about walking from wherever you came from to the chapel? How was that walk? Who were you with? Or were you not with anyone? How did it feel? What was your approach to chapel? Were you expectant and excited or a little nervous that this was the last one, thinking about what's next? What was that walk like in your approach to chapel? Look at it with the Lord. Just look at it. And breakfast. Remember when someone just cooked it for you and it was ready? And then you just got to be picky? You got, you got to be picky? <laughs> what was that whole breakfast experience like? Share it with the Lord. Share what's on your heart. What was on your heart during breakfast? Or were you not aware of yourself at all? Just share it. And waking up, 
Was it an alarm? Was it a roommate? <laughs> what was it? Was it abrupt? Were you excited for the day? For a lot of us, it's a very new rhythm, not having access to a cell phone that goes on the internet. What was that like for you? Just open your heart up to the Lord. What was that like? Share it with him. Be there again. You can also share how you slept or didn't. He was with you. He knows. And going to bed. Was it different than at home? How so? Did you like it? Was it hard to fall asleep? Were you not used to having your thoughts like that? I thank you, Lord, for being with us whether or not we were aware of you. For those of us that have given our life to you, thank you for being in us, going through that. We were not going through that alone. And you're doing something with all of it. So we thank you and we ask that you would give us eyes to see what you're up to in our life and precisely what to do next. We pray and all God's children said, amen. Let me give you some context to the book of Acts chapter two. The context is essential. <laughs> See, where we've been all weekend is in the Old Testament. Old Testament is before Jesus comes, fully God, fully man, to live on this earth. So we've looked at the stories, really the origins, Genesis. And then you get to the New Testament. New Testament begins with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's four guys who give an eyewitness account to the life of Jesus. Mark's was actually more probably Peter's, but either way, it's people that saw the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The next chapter, if you will, in the story is a book called yeah, and if you didn't know that, one day you will, and this is good news. In fact, I'm gonna give you a second chance. Watch this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John gave an eyewitness account to the life of Jesus, his life, death, resurrection. Actually, didn't all of them address the resurrection. That actually starts in Acts. But after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get to the next chapter, if you will, of the story, and that is the book of Acts. Nice job. So, <laughs> Acts is the beginning of the church. That's what happens after Jesus ascends into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. In fact, the author Luke, who was a doctor, so he gives a lot of details. If you're wondering where to start, John's always a good idea. It's really creative. He's beautiful, poetic, talks a lot about who Jesus is. Luke is a doctor, so he's really all about a lot of those details, and he wants to make sure it's precise. And I love that a doctor writes the book of Acts. A guy that's all factual writes the book of Acts, addressing the Holy Spirit. Isn't that kind of nice? Right, so you got, you got Luke writing the book of Acts, and in Acts chapter one, verse one, he writes this. In my former book, which is referring to the book of? You're tracking. Yes! So Luke writes, in, my, in the book of Acts, he writes, Luke that is, in my former book, the book of? Yes, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to say until the day he was taken up to heaven. So what he's saying in that is the intro to the book of Acts. He's saying, my last book was what Jesus began to do. Thus assuming this book, the book of Acts, is what Jesus is continuing to do. Right? Right? Good. Acts chapter one, he ascends into heaven, Jesus that is, to sit at the right hand of God, which is where he's at today. Which is a little confusing when it says, this book is what Jesus is up to. See ya. Right? 
I mean, Matthew 28, all, a lot of the gospels end with this great commission, and I love, there's only two greats referenced in the Bible, two greats. There's the great commandment and the great commission. They're great, <laughs> and they're hard, and they're also impossible without what he equips us with. First great, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Oh, and love your neighbor as yourself. You can actually boil it down to that. It can be that simple. That might just be all the Lord's calling you to, and if he's calling you to that, you can trust that it's him because it's found in his word. The second grade is these commissions. And basically, they're very similar to Matthew's, Matthew's version or remembrance of what Jesus said where he's like, get out of here, go, make disciples. Basically, go follow my lead. Make disciples, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. That's the end of Matthew. Remember, four guys give an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. At the end of Matthew, he says, and surely I'm with you always. The next chapter would be written and recorded in the book of Acts. The reason I have to address it is because it could be confusing. Matthew 28, I'm with you always. Acts chapter one, see ya. <laughs> confusing? It would be, except we have Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. And that's where we're going to be studying. We're actually going to get through the whole thing, so we should probably get started. But before I do that, one more little tidbit. If the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, which he does, God sends his spirit to dwell within. See, Jesus walked among, yet he promised to be with us always. And the only way he could be with us always, see, fully God, fully man, he only walked with 12. But he says, I'm with all who believe. So the only way is for him to ascend, to also descend, to dwell within those who believe so those could scatter and he could, and he could fulfill his promise. And he could even say something crazy like this to those men back then, and this, the same truth is still true for us today. My former book was what Jesus began. This book is what Jesus continues to do, except this time what Jesus is continuing to do, he's continuing to do through the Holy Spirit, dwelling in you. Which means, ladies, as you leave this hill, what you do matters. Because what you do is what Jesus is doing. Do you want to answer the question, what is God up to in my household? Good question. What are you up to in your household? That's what Jesus is up to in his household. Just this morning I read this really cool thing on Instagram. A friend of mine was thinking, if I only knew I had one day left to live, what would I do? Jesus knew he had one day left to live. You know what he did? Washed some feet. Which gives me hope, because I'm still cleaning some diapers. <laughs> and he just washed some feet. Don't ever think it's mundane. Don't ever think it's simple. Because what you're doing is precisely what he is doing. He's wiping the filth off a rear end of someone who can't wipe it off in the same way that Christ himself wipes off our filth, the filth that we can't wipe off ourselves. Do you see how significant every single thing we do is if we give it unto the Lord and do it unto the Lord? What you're doing, ladies, does matter. How you drive matters. How you look at the checker, outer, what's their name, grocer? Her. Cashier, yeah. It matters. Have you noticed it really matters when you look at them? Have you noticed that? What you do matters. Why? Because what you're doing is precisely what Jesus is doing by the power of his spirit through you. What you do, that's really all you need to hear. Let's just go. No, we're going to see how to go. And here's how. Acts chapter 2 says this. When the day of Pentecost came, now notice this. We refer to Acts chapter 2 as Pentecost, but it says Pentecost. Pentecost was already famous. Pentecost was 50 days, pente, 50 days after the, after, <laughs> I forgot, Passover. <laughs> 
It was one of the three Jewish pilgrimages. Three times a year, the Jews would head over to Jerusalem, so there's a crowd. When that day came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Can you imagine? Why were they there in the first place? They were in Jerusalem because of Pentecost, but they were in that one place because Jesus told them to go there. In fact, one chapter earlier, Jesus says this, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. It's a gift. And gifts, by the way, are very undeserved. (laughs) Gift, it's a gift, wait there. And then he even goes on to describe a little bit more and he gives the outline to the entire book of Acts in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's the gift. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that becomes the outline for the rest of the book. And I love that it says, you will be my witnesses. It doesn't say you will do witnessing. Do you see the difference? When the Holy Spirit comes, when he dwells within you, guess what? You are a witness. Before you do any witnessing, you are. How you're living your life is witnessing to those around you. And by the way, some of you are going, yeah, I'm ready to share with people. Give me the microphone. I'm here to say, you don't need the microphone. You have your life. That's the microphone. You will be my witnesses. And then they waited well. If you're in a season of waiting, which I would say that I am in a season of waiting, I found some wisdom on how to wait well from these guys who received word from Jesus when he said, wait here Trust me, do not do what I've called you to do without what, how I've equipped you for it. Here's how they waited. This is a, for someone in this room, this is just a little verse for you. Do you wanna know how to wait well? Here's how, chapter one, verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Thank you for every single woman in here who said that they've prayed for me. Some of you have told me, thank you. Matters. So, The Holy Spirit comes, and he comes with all of this Old Testament imagery. You have wind, and you have fire, and if you have read the Old Testament, they knew power and presence is coming. Verse five, now there we're staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation. So everyone's there, why? Pentecost, they're there gathered. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, aren't these guys really ordinary? In chapter four in the book of Acts, they say they're unschooled, ordinary men, and you could just tell they had been with Jesus. And I love that. You know what they're not saying? Aren't these guys, aren't these guys talented? <laughs> no. They're going, aren't these guys Galileans? Aren't these guys the... The ones who are speaking all of the really complex languages of every single people group that happened to be here, aren't they really ordinary? See, they even go on to ask, and look at the way that they're described. They see these, these guys knew the Holy Spirit was coming, they just didn't know how. And look at the crowd's response. We can see how radical this moment is. Verse seven, utterly amazed. Verse six, when the crowd heard this, they were in bewilderment. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed. And then they asked this question, what does this mean? Something radical was happening. What, this is the crowd's question, what does this mean? 
they ask that question because what they saw could not be explained by talent. Ladies in the room, never settle for talent when the Holy Spirit's power and presence is at your disposal in your local church. I fear far too many of us with this wonderful thing called YouTube and all these really talented people sharing really talented and powerful messages, and they are great and they can really inspire, but I'll tell you, it's nothing in comparison to the power of the Holy Spirit. So just don't settle or just search out talent. Search for God's presence in his people. And we'll go on to describe what that'll look like. It might be a little different than you think. Here's what I've realized about the book of Acts chapter, or the chapter Acts chapter two. Churches tend to either focus on the first seven verses or the last five. Every church has its bend. The church I go to would probably bend a little more to the end of the chapter on the doing, 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 doing. And some churches are like spirit-filled, 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 spirit-filled. And I'm here to say, it's all of it. Yes and amen. I think we all have something to learn from each other, no matter which church bend you go to. I think for a long time I felt very strapped to talk about the Holy Spirit because I was ner nervous. Yet the Holy Spirit came to unify us, not to divide us. So let's talk about his power, let's talk about his presence, and let's talk about what he does instead of being scared of what he doesn't do. Yes, church, beautiful. So they ask, what does this mean? And I love this question. Oh. Verse 13, it's in the Bible. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. <laughs> then, verse 14, Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, AKA everyone, let me explain this to you. Mind you, this is the first sermon we have after Jesus' ascension in the power of the Holy Spirit. The very first sermon, and dare I say, one of the most effective sermons <laughs> Here's how it begins. Listen to me, let me explain it to you. Verse 15, here's his intro. These people are not drunk. <laughs> As you suppose, here's his reasoning. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> Some people are like, that's not a good explanation. <laughs> I love it. He's like, they're not drunk. But you can almost imagine why people would think that. These people full of the Holy Spirit, here's what they look like. They look really free. Do you look free? You can. They look, oh the phrase, when, when you see someone who's drunk, the phrase that people say is, they have lost their inhibitions, right? I've heard that phrase, I didn't actually know what the inhibition meant, so I looked it up for you. Do you know what it means? Does anyone know? You kinda know what it means, like kinda, but like what does the word inhibition mean? Do you know what that means? Don't worry, I know, I know. It's this, self-consciousness. They're free from just caring about what everyone thought about them. They were that free. Ladies, I'm gonna speak to you as one. We are so self-conscious. We are so aware of ourselves. And, and all throughout scriptures, in fact, I think it's Ephesians chapter five, Paul's like, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, be filled with the spirit. There's something about this comparison. <laughs> there's, some, there's some similarities. There's just this freedom, I'm not thinking the same, but there is a radical difference that you have to hear, especially those of you who that is your struggle. Here's the radical difference. Being drunk makes you less aware of reality. Being filled with the Spirit makes you fully aware of reality in ways you couldn't even imagine. And he makes you so aware of what matters. It's kind of like when those crazy things happen in your life and suddenly the things that matter just don't anymore, like the little things. 
and the really essential things, the life, death, purpose, and life, those things matter. It's that type of perspective. And that's what his feeling does. And so Peter stands up and he addresses the crowd. He goes, so we're not drunk. And they're like, really? He's like, let me explain. And he goes back to the Old Testament. The prophet Joel, and this is what he quotes from the book of Joel, it says this, verse 17, in the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. In other words, what was prophesied by Joel, Peter's exclaiming, is happening right now. It's in your midst. Verse 21, this, Joel said this as well, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone in this room, if you have called upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. How? Good. Then Peter explains, verse 22, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. See, the people listening were there. They, a lot of them were part of the feeding of the 5,000. He's like, you've seen it. As you yourselves know, verse 23, this man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, this is a hard word, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. It's like he's saying, yes, God has a plan. God knew the plan. God sent his son. No one, no one put Jesus on a cross. He went there willingly. But the reason he went there willingly was because of our sin. We can't ever forget that. And they put him to death by nailing to a cross. Here it is, verse 24, but God, there it is, every time. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. See, Jesus died the death we deserve to give us life eternal with him and we will never deserve it or earn it. But it has already been given to you through Christ and Christ now dwells within by his spirit. His life is in you, your life is hidden in him, which means when God the Father looks at you, he doesn't see your sin, he sees Christ in you. And he is doing the work to make you more like Christ. Our job is simply to open ourselves to the Holy Spirit and what he's up to, because he's doing the work, Romans eight, the Holy Spirit's interceding, he's in there, he knows all your insecurities. He knows all your sinful tendencies. He's in there and it says he's interceding on your behalf, making you more aware. And then Peter goes on to say, yes, the central crux of our faith, it's all Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about you, it's all about Jesus. And then he, and then he quotes two different Psalms and says, it's Jesus' death and resurrection, that's what it's about. One day, and then he prophesies about the future, and he's like, and then everything will be under his feet, a footstool. Jesus is that powerful, everything will be under him. And he's prophesying, saying, it's all about Jesus, it's all about Jesus, but don't forget it was your sin that put him there. Verse 36, he does a sum of the sermon when he says this, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. Adds that in again. (laughs) Never forget the heaviness of our sin. But God has made this Jesus both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, you know what it doesn't say? That they were ashamed or downtrodden. No, no, no. They were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So we have the second question the crowd asks. The first one is, what does this mean? The second one, what shall we do? Verse 38, Peter replied, and some of you just need to hear this word, and I wonder what the Lord's gonna say to you through his word. Here's the response to knowing my sin put him there, Jesus died for me. What's the response? Beautiful, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, some of you, that's your next step. All of us, repent. Be baptized, have you been baptized? Might be a beautiful first step. 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. What an effective sermon. Wow. It's like a revival that you're seeing, right? The revival that four guys got on their knees 75 years ago praying for revival. Let me tell you though, the revival in Acts chapter two did not begin when 3,000 people came to faith. Revival began when the people that were already there were transformed by the Holy Spirit. That's when it began. Ladies, revival in your city will not take place when thousands more are added to your church. Revival takes place when you, who are already here, are open to the transformational power of the Holy Spirit within you. And then you stand, yes, and then you stand up right where you're at. That's what Peter did, he stood up. And that's really significant, because remember, Peter's the one that doesn't always stand up, but sometimes he does. And sometimes he says the wrong thing. People describe Peter as one with a foot-shaped mouth. That's Peter, he just kinda like does things. There's like these weird scriptures about Peter and he's so relatable. Like the moment like he's in the boat and he gets really excited and then he, it says he puts on his coat and then he jumps in the water. You're like, what? Or like he's on the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus is there and he's glowing and Moses and Elijah and it's this really amazing moment. He's like, should I build a tent? We can just be here forever. And then maybe some of you are here, you're like, can we just build a tent at Hume Lake and just be here forever? No, Hume Lake exists for Sunday morning. Get out of here. Here's why. We can't stay here because the plan is not just for here. It's for you to go there. Because Matthew said, go, but before you go, wait. Everything I've asked you, everything I've commissioned you to go, I've equipped you for, everything. And it's not just in your own power. I love these weekends, we've addressed some really personal things, control, <gasps> comparison. Ooh, I don't want to admit how much I compare. But I want to tell you, we're wrapping up this weekend like this, don't just try to fix those things on your own. Because you've tried, right? I'm sure you too have walked into a church service that they talk on prayer. Have you gone to a message where they give a message on prayer and you're like, I am totally going to pray more. And then you try in your own effort, right? And like day one, you're like, I'm up early. Day two, you're like, you, it just skipped. You didn't even think about anything. And then day three, you're like, oh, I missed day two, but you forget even on day three to keep praying. Have you noticed your will can only carry you so far? You don't have to do it alone. And that's why Peter, that's why Jesus himself was like, wait here. Before you go, and I love Sunday morning, because I'm going like this, hey, hey church, wait right here. Allow the Lord to continue to cut, cut open your heart. Let's look at it together. And as we do that, he is full of grace. He is full of transformational power. In fact, the main character of Acts chapter two is not the crowd. The main character of Acts chapter two is not Peter. The main character of your life is not you either. The main character is Jesus and what he wants to do in us and through us. Repent and be baptized. Those accepted were 3,000. 3,000 were not just added to their number that day. 3,000 were transformed. How do we know? Verse 42. Here's what a transformed church looks like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They became devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Ladies, I think a lot of us, just some of you, this is all you need to know. Maybe your first step is inviting people into your home. 
even though it won't be perfectly clean. I'm not sure why she said that, but I don't know if I want to go into her home, but just kidding. Amen. Amen. You have to invite people into the mess because guess what? A perfectly pristine home is all not that relatable. Okay. They devoted themselves to the teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord did the work. He added to their number daily those who were being saved. I couldn't start the message in verses 42 to 47 because I fear that if we ended with this charge to go do all of these things, that we could very well fail. And here's what I want to tell you. Yes, go do all of those things. And when you fail, let the Holy Spirit bring you back to the cross. God wants to use your success and your failure. He wants to use your will and your weakness. It's a really compelling picture of the church, but let me say this. It's powerful and impossible without the Holy Spirit. Christianity, following Christ, is not trying hard. It is training yourself to be open to the power of the Holy Spirit at work within you. He's already doing a work. He will finish it to completion. He is doing that work. Our job is simply to be more open. I said it night one, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. I want to arm you down the hill, not with a will to try harder. I want to arm you with the presence of God and a reminder that you're not doing it alone. You're not living your life alone. What does the Holy Spirit do in this passage? Well, he fills, he equips, he cuts, he um, inspires, he gathers, he does all these really profound things that we cannot do on our own. He is the only one that has the power to transform our lives. I think we give ourselves far too much credit. But we also have to know this, and I hope this is a relief for some of you, you can't transform yourself. I gave a sermon illustration probably 10, doesn't matter, a few years ago. I don't know why I was getting caught up on when it was. I was just gonna lie anyways, eight years ago, I don't know. And here's what it was. I was doing it on prayer. It was a, I remember I was in Orange County and I, was, I gave this water bottle and I said, you know, we get shook and what comes out of the water bottle? It's not a trick question. <laughs> Alcohol, they're drunk, you know? No, 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 okay, okay, okay. This is a normal water bottle. When it gets shook, what comes out? Yes. Why? Because water was on the inside, right? Yeah, it seems obvious. And here was my point. When your life gets shook, what's coming out? Ladies, I think some of you are really angry. And some of you have learned how to hide it, and some of you have not. And this is a good, it means a good word. Like, what's, what's actually coming out of your life? In the past 12 hours, is it different than what's normal at home? But when your life gets shook, what comes out? Now, here's the difference of where I've come from eight, eight years ago and three months and 242 days ago when I gave this sermon. Here's what's changed. Here's what's changed. Then I would say this. Anger, stop being angry. Control, 
Stop controlling. Comparison, stop comparing. Here's the difference because of Acts chapter two and what the Lord's just doing in my life. He's going, yes, your life has been shook. Whether it's what you're personally going through, whether it's the world, yes, your life has been shook, but here's the difference. I believe God wants to look at what's coming out with you. He knew it was in there. And what if he's even allowing it to come out? To go, I want you to see it, but I want you to see it. And he doesn't do it to shame you. He's doing it to go, my nickname is the helper. I'm here to help you. Because what it is, is it's wrecking you inside. Ladies, we need to also stop apologizing for ugly cries. Because guess where it came from? It was ugly on the inside. And so the uglier, when it comes out, be grateful the uglier it gets. Because it's no longer in there and he's bringing it out and he wants to do something. So I wonder what is coming out of your life? And I wonder if we can ask those precise questions that the crowd asked, but we can ask them in a prayer because that's what he's compelled us to do and it's this. God, what does this mean? So let's say it's anger. God, what does this mean? And there might be sometimes he goes, I'm angry about that too. And then you get to know his compassion. And then the second question from the crowd is, so what do we do? And sometimes I wonder if he's going, just be angry. Let's be angry together. I'm angry too. Death wasn't my original plan. Some of you are sad. And you're being sad by yourself. He's like, oh. And sometimes maybe he does want to cheer you up and sometimes he wants to show you joy through the tears. But I wonder, I, he has a better plan for you because he knows it and it's his plan A. There's no plan B, there's no other option. He's doing all these things in us, but he wants to look at our lives to open us up and go, I want to be with you in all of it. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship more than you think. He's in there, he's, he's, interce he's interceding, he's, he's using the hard things, the things that were on our that were on our picture. A lot of those probably weren't just really lovely things when we pulled up the pictures. You know what was funny? I was trying to find a picture of me and my boys and I was like trying to find the perfect one. And I'm like, no, where's a good one? <laughs> and there's one where like one was smiling and one wasn't. I'm like, no, <laughs> there has to be one where we're all smiling. Let me go to Instagram because that's the highlight reel, right? Let me find the one. <laughs> and he's like, I want to use all of it. I want to use the hard. I want to use your struggle. I want to use your success. I want to use your failure. I want to do all of life with you. Do we realize what dwells within? And the reason I say all of this is because it doesn't just talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We get to see it on display in the life of Peter. Peter stands up. Keep in mind, just 50 days prior, a little girl by a fire, as Jesus is on his way to the cross, walks up to Peter and goes, aren't you with him? No. Another person, aren't you with him? Peter denies Christ yet again, a third time denies Christ. And I thought about, do I share in this moment, do I share the Jesus' restoration, which was beautiful? Yes, that's where it begins. If Jesus has not restored you completely, he wants intimacy with you and he wants to take over your life and then begin that work in you. That is where it begins, is that relationship with Jesus. But I do love that Peter, the one who didn't stand in front of a single fire with a young lady, is now standing in front of a crowd and saying, let me explain this to you, I believe in Jesus. What a transformation. As I was thinking about Peter, I thought about him walking on water. Personally, I thought about him walking on water, which is a surprising one, and the story surprises me. It's kind of like the Matthew 28, I'm with you always, see ya, that surprises me. Another one is the walking on water bit. <laughs> Because remember, 
He, said, he sees Jesus walking on water. He's like, call me out. Jesus is like, okay, come out. You know, and he's like, okay. And so he comes out and then he's walking on water. Just take a second. Don't forget the miracles that what's happening. Some of you are like, I know, because he walked on water. He walked on water. Okay, so he's walking on water. Here's what you would think the story goes. He's walking on water and then he's like, but you know what he does? Surprising. He's walking on water and then he starts to sink. Wouldn't you think that the faith would grow? But guess what? Jesus is doing in that moment with Peter. I'm gonna teach you how to get your eyes on me. I'm gonna let you see yourself. I'm gonna let you see that what happens when you look at the chaos and stop looking at me, this is what happens. And the reason Peter is so relatable to me is because in February, I felt like I was walking on water. I know most of you know. Um, I lost my husband in February. And before that, I felt like I was walking on water. I truly felt like, what in the world? I have the best job in the world. I get to like, tell people about Jesus. I get to even say hard things like, your sin is awful. People are like, you're right. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I got to do these like, crazy things. I felt like I was walking on water. And then February 21st, wham. I feel like I just drowned. And in the weeks to come, I had my, I learned to put my hand up. Because that's what Peter does in that moment, right? And he's sinking and then finally he looks to Jesus. He puts his hand in the right direction and it says in the scriptures, immediately Jesus grabs a hold of him. Um, and it made me wonder, when was Peter more powerful? Was it when he was walking on water or was it when he was in the arms of Jesus? Ladies, are you more powerful when your life is going well and there's success, which is oftentimes what we pray for? Or when you're desperate and in the midst of prayer and awareness of God's power and presence in your life? Some of you feel like you're drowning. I feel you. There's times I'm crying out, Lord, help me. And I don't feel a quick fix. I wish I did. I wish I had this testimony of like, so then I said help, and then I felt better. <laughs> I didn't. I don't feel better because when I allow myself to be sad with him, he hates death too. He hates it. He hates that we have to grieve. He hates that you're doing this life alone. He hates the evil in the world. He hates the effects. He hates disease. And we also have a promise that one day every tear will be wiped. So we have this hope. But in the midst, as this life is not as it intended to be, I love that what we know from Acts chapter two is we can do this thing with him. So my question is, and my invitation for us, as I send you off the mountain, forgive me for the tears. Not my tears, and forgive me for like making some of you cry. <laughs> Christian in the room, here it is, here's the send off. Stop living in your own power. Stop limiting yourself to your own willpower. 
if I can give you any wisdom going down the hill, the only thing that's gonna make this week stronger is not you trying harder. It's you training yourself to be more open, to raise up that hand and say help. Because immediately, he will look at your life with you and you will move together stronger. And it won't be by your right hand, it will be by his. And for those of you who have never given your faith to Jesus, I trust there are still some. <laughs> I'm here to tell you Peter's words when he says this. What do we do? Repent and be baptized. Repent simply means to turn from the ways you've been living, for the purpose you've been living for. Turn and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and let him do what only he can. So here's what I'm gonna have us do in response this morning. I want us to think about our lives. If you would, you can close your eyes again. If you haven't noticed, we're giving the Spirit some time to speak. I figured if we're gonna talk about him, it'd be silly for me to keep talking. <laughs> when he's real and he's alive and he's active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Through the word of God, he does this. Through his power and presence, he does this. So here's what I would love us to do, very simply, is allow him to open up your life. Cut the heart, if you will. Open up your heart. And if you would, work with him. What is your life? If you could put maybe the past 12 hours or maybe the past season, what is one word that you would use to describe your life? We're gonna do something with that word. But let's take a moment. As I invite the band back out, let's just take a moment. What one word? If you have your word, give me a nod. <laughs> Some of you are nodding off, okay. You just need rest, so go ahead. <laughs> Do you have your word? If not, I want you to linger a little longer until I see every nod. I don't want anyone to count themselves out from this moment. Do we have our words? Beautiful. Then in a prayer to the Lord, I want us to ask the Lord these two questions, the same questions the crowd asked. Peter got to answer them. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to answer them. Here's the first one. Lord, what does this mean? What does this word mean? So take a moment. Ask the Lord. Give him your word. He already knows it. And what does it mean? Take a second. And secondly, as you're wrestling through that, the second question the crowd asks is what do we do? I could give you some ideas, but the Spirit knows, and some of you already know. What is God asking of you? What shall we do? Take a minute.
what he has called you to is what he has equipped you for, ladies. We are not alone. Heavenly Father, I pray for ladies right now where they're at. I pray they will have heard from you that this weekend wouldn't just be about being inspired by people or by liking feelings. God, I, wanna, I pray that people would have had encounters with you even now. Would you use conversations driving down the mountain, Lord? Would we see that you're truly wanting to, us to hear from you and then to respond? God, some of us are just full of failure. I thank you for your cross. Would it be more powerful? Thank you that we cannot out your cross. So I thank you for forgiveness. If some of us are in a season of gratitude, Lord, we just give you thanks. If that word we came up with was a sweet word, God, thank you. Thank you. God, help us do what you've asked us to do. Help us to obey and then to allow everything to lead us to you. We pray. Amen.